and give the Lord praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Come on, give him a good hand. Give Jesus a good hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy of all the praise. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jubilee time. Hallelujah. Our heart does go out to Brother Casey and his family. Their great-grandfather passed away. Uh, they were here Friday night with the uh, Couples Connection. Had an awesome time then, but they got home and got the news that the great-grandfather passed away. So our heart goes out to them in prayers for the family. And uh, tonight, I'll be, I want to speak tonight on miracles. So we'll be here back at 6 o'clock, and I want to share with you about miracles and just show you. We'll have PowerPoint tonight, too, just about the power and the word, the promises for miracles. How many need a miracle? Hallelujah. Well, I'm not no Benny Hinn, but I tell you, the Holy Spirit is here. And he's the one who does it anyway. So praise God. Come and let me just share the word with you tonight. Well, we welcome you today, and I want to start off today. Last week, I was sharing with you about the biggest loser. And how, aren't you glad we don't stay that? Whoa! Come on now. Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, how many you know we're hyped up? Oh, yeah? Come on. Let's hear you. Come on, Storm. Whoa, there you go. There you go. Now one for Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. Thank God. Austin, we haven't lost our salvation. Thank God. Hallelujah. But I just want to share some things with you. And uh, the biggest winner of the week is Sister Ethel. I was spying on you, lady. Friday afternoon, I saw you going in Blockbuster. And she had her, that was you, right? And she had her little white tennis shoes, but she had her white tennis shoes, the uh, type you, you walk and work out and work all this part, you know. And she, she had those light, little white tennis shoes, and she was going in there. Uh, I, I, I guess y'all were going to watch a movie that night, huh? Yeah, Wolverine? No? <laughs> Superman? No, no, okay. I thought you might. Uh, <laughs> huh? Oh, you already got all those? <laughs> but anyway, I tell you, see, I was watching. I was so proud. There she goes. You know, she don't have to, but just, you know, working out. So I thought, go, Mama. Hallelujah. Anyway, she's the, one of the biggest winners this week. But I want to share some things with you. And I thought I was through, but the Lord brought me back to the book of Daniel. And it's amazing how you're going to see today in the book of Daniel chapter 1 and 5. We'll go there in a minute. I want to lay a foundation there. But in Daniel chapter 1, there's some things there that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring out. And one of the things I want to share, share with you was that in that day, there was like 8,000 boys who were taken away from uh, Israel. And one of the things I want you to think about is right now, everybody has seen the images of Haiti. I want you to think that when the Babylonians, Babylonians attacked Judah, that they left it like Haiti is right now. And those boys were taken. Daniel was about 12 or 13 years old, and he was taken away and brought to Babylon. And Daniel's name means God is judge in Hebrew. And they said, you know what? We're going to change your name from God is judge in Hebrew. We're going to change your name to the Prince of Baal. That's what his new name meant was the Prince of Baal. They said, we're going to take you and we're going to brainwash you for three years. And we're going to train you and teach you that there's not just one God, but there's many gods. And we're going to name you the Prince of Baal and we're going to make you move into the Temple of Baal. And we're going to show you that there's other Bibles beside the Bibles. And we're going to try to teach you. Listen to me, young people. We're going to try to teach you that there is more to what, there's more truth than what your parents taught you about your God. Because after all, if your God was real, why did he allow us with our gods to conquer you? Have you ever been in that place? My God is real. Why am I going through this? But how many of you know, even by going through it, they came out of it? But it said that they were there trying to brainwash them and trying to just get into their mind and come against them and, and make them feel like they weren't going to make it. And where's the proof of your God? Trying to bring in new philosophies and standards of life, new relationships, just bring in new different things. And I want to start off here in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 uh, through 5 in this verse 8. It says, then the king ordered, let's just uh, jump on down to... Uh, 
right here where it says, verse 4, select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. How many of you know that if the devil's after you, there's something there he sees as potential for the kingdom of God? Proverbs says that the wolf hunted for the precious soul. And it says, look for only the strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning or gifted in knowledge, good judgment, and are suited to serve the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained from, for three years, and then they would enter into the royal service. But look at this part here. But Daniel, verse 8. But Daniel was determined. Say that with me. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. How many know we've been talking about the biggest loser? And if you watch it on TV, it has a lot to do with people who, some of them three, four hundred pounds or more that were work, are working on losing weight and all the hard work and everything they put into it. And what I want to talk today about Daniel, there's something here about food that, that I want to show you that even though it may seem something so simple, Daniel, Shadrach, Daniel did not bow to the king's command when he came to go being thrown into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow and they did not turn to what the king said when they were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But could they have said no at that face and pressure from the king if they wouldn't have said no to something so simple as to food? Because they were able to say, they were determined in their heart in something so simple like food. No, I'm not going to defile myself with your food. Could it be that there's something little in your life that you're giving into that's keeping you from the promotion that God is preparing for you? A lot of times we think, you know, there's not, you know, what's, what is it about food? But you're going to see there's verses and verses and verses that the Holy Spirit has it in here for us to see the importance that even something small like food could be defilement. And there may be something like a TV program, a magazine, or there could be a friendship that something so small doesn't seem to, you don't think, God don't even see, God don't even care. But it may be something so small that is defiling you from going on into your promotion. When they get those people up there and they have those guys go get on the scale. And today I'm talking about the scale will tell. When those guys weigh close to 400 pounds have to take their t-shirts off and they're in nothing but speedos. And they get up there. How many of you know that when they're just in their speedos, there's nothing to hide? You see everything. And if they have cheated, the scale will tell. If they got a hold of something they shouldn't have got a hold of, the scale would tell. And that's what the word is trying to say here. Dave, Daniel was saying, I could go ahead and I could just dig in there and, yeah, pass me some of that pork. Pass me some of them pork chops. Pass me some bacon. I could just act like everybody else and nobody would say nothing and nobody would see nothing. But Daniel knew in his heart that God would see because the scale is going to tell. It may be something so little that has to do with the eyes or the ears or the heart or the mouth. That is calling us to defile. Jesus said it's not what comes out of the man that defiles them. But it what's in, not what goes in the man. But what comes out because out of the heart comes out of the mouth. And so we see here that he's saying. David, Daniel is saying no. God is my judge. And I'm saying no to these foods. I'm saying no to those things that could defile me. Because I'm going to live in. I'm going to live for God. Now how many of you know on a diet it's easy to cheat? There's times when, when my wife and I are on a diet, and uh, she buys, my weakness since I was a kid was oatmeal pies. And she buys oatmeal pies. Are, are those good or not? She buys oatmeal pies for the boys' lunch. And so what I would do is when she's washing her face for bed or something like that, I go in the pantry, and I quietly open the packet so she don't hear, because I don't want her to know I'm cheating. So I open the packet, and I put the whole oatmeal pie in my mouth. <laughs> but one's not enough, and you know it, you know. They're making them smaller nowadays. So I, I, take, I get another one, and I, I quietly open it up. And, 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 you know, I'm not stupid. I get the two wrappers, and I go, and I push it down deep into the trash. Because <laughs> I don't want her to see 
that I'm cheating. But when I'm in my Speedos, the cheating's going to show. And she'll go, haven't you been on a diet? It just, it's too good. God, if it was wrong, why does it taste so good? If it's so wrong, why does it feel so good? If it's so wrong, why does it look so good? Why does it draw me if it's wrong? Well, if you read the directions, it tells you all the reasons why it is wrong. And Daniel says, God is my judge. And if I give in to this, I know I'm going to give in to other things, and it will be my ruin. As I was praying about this, I believe God was saying, if they would have gave in to the food temptation, they would have gave in to the bowing down to the idol temptation, because after all, I'll just eat, then I'll repent. And so we want to see some things here that I believe is important, and, and uh, I believe it will encourage you. And it says in verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would do not deny, defile himself. You need to write that down. He purposed in his heart. I shared with you in chapter 3, two weeks ago, that he purposed in his heart. They had already made up their mind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had already made up of their mind and purposed in their heart. We're not going to bow. Go ahead and burn us. And if our God delivers us, which he can, he will, and he, and he is able to, we will not bow down to your idols. They had already purposed in their heart. You and I have to purpose in our heart. When you feel like somebody's coming onto you, you got to purpose in your heart. I am not going to defile myself. When you feel like somebody want to help you cheat with about something on your business on your job I'm not going to defy myself if somebody says well you know we can count this in your taxes and it won't look like this and it won't look like that nope I've already determined in my heart I'm going to be honest because I know in the end truth stands out and the scale will tell and so if we give in to the little things it'll hurt us and one of the things I believe that I could hear Daniel and the three Hebrew children saying when they were offered all these different meats and foods, many of them offered to idols, I could hear them say, listen, I'm a Jew, not a Babylonian. You can try to give me all your books. You can try to reprogram my mind. You can try to teach me all your ways. You can tell me all the good things about this food. You can tell me God created everything, so everything's good to enjoy. You can tell me all your philosophies, but wait a minute. I'm a Jew. That's my, com- that's my conviction. That's my heart, and I will not bow to the Babylonians. Well, how many of you know you are a son of God and not a child of the devil? And when the devil comes after you and he's offering you his delicacies, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I'm, I'm not of, of the world. I'm not of the world. I may be in it, but I'm not of it. And you know what else you can say? I'm a winner and I'm not a loser. And if he comes after you, I'm a winner and not a loser. So I want to show you this here. Here's a, a, the biggest loser program there in the day of the Hebrews. It says, please test us for 10 days. Now, this is important. Brothers and sisters, He's saying here 10 days, three times. Three times he says the word 10 days. I believe it's there for a purpose. I want to encourage you. Once you try it, like he's saying, let's try this. Test us for 10 days. It says 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. How many already go on a diet of vegetables and water? Okay. I got, okay, I got, okay, a fast. Okay, we got a few, few here. Okay. Oh, boy, you're a supportive group, I tell you. Don't worry, I'm not doing it either. Anyway, <laughs> I'm eating fish. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look. The scale will tell compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision of light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. I believe by this as I was praying. This is what I felt. The Lord, one of the things the Lord put on my heart to share with you. I believe that if you purpose in your heart for the next 10 days, may not be food, but if there's something you're battling, if you can purpose in your heart, listen, I'm not going to smoke for the next 10 days. I'm not going to drink Coke for the next 10 days. Because you know what? A lot of preachers hamper on smoking. But do you know what I found out? That Coke Zero is just as deadly as a cigarette. Now I knew I blew your religion out right there. But anyway, listen. Purpose in your heart. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like Daniel and them would not defile their body, we're responsible. God loves your body. He wants your body whole. He wants you to live a long life. And he wants to do a work in your life. But if you can learn to control the natural cravings, you can learn to control the soulish cravings. And promotion's going to come. 
And it says 10 days here. Just take things captive. Don't use any excuses. And he says, I am going to help you. Now, there's a few things here I want to share with you that I believed helped Daniel. And I believe it's going to help you here. The scale will tell. And I want you to write down these five things that I believe that are really important for us to realize and get a hold of. That if we're going to re- resist the temptation... To act like the Babylonians or act like the world or do things that is against our conviction. We have to have character, conviction, commitment, compassion, and courage. So I want to share a few things with you quickly in these areas. Number one, the word character there means to stand your ground. No compromise. Everybody say, stand your ground. Everybody say, defense. Defense. Stand your ground. No compromise. The word there... Character means be who you are supposed to be on the inside and you'll be who you're supposed to be on the outside. Crisis reveals character. So many of the, you see people on the program, the biggest loser. So many people on this program, God bless their heart, they don't have character. They've been beat up and hurt and gone through so many things in their life that their food is their comfort. And they don't have the character to stand up and to to be strong and resist things. And so we see here that character is what helps us. Never for the, listen, uh, a Nobel Peace winner wrote, Never for the sake of peace and quiet deny your own experience and convictions. That's going to be something very important we're going to get to here in a minute. Don't ever compromise your own experience and conviction. That's been your school. Hold on to it. Another person said, adversity is a crossroad that makes a person choose one of two paths, character or compromise. Your character determines who you are. You, who you are determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. That's why you can never separate a Christian's character from his action. Second word, conviction. Conviction. He knows his decisions. He knows what he's determined to do. And he knows his decisions today are going to determine his tomorrow. Listen to this. You ever hear people say, well, you know, I know this Mexican food or this Italian food or Chinese food is going to mess me up. I know I'm not supposed to be eating this food, but it's so good. Go ahead and pass me another tamale and some more hot sauce. You hear people say, you know what? I know I'm going to pay for this tonight. I'm not going to sleep. I know I'm going to pay for this tomorrow, but we, but we eat it and we do it anyway. Why? Because we don't have the conviction that and, the, and the, be able to stand and say, listen, I I know this is wrong for me. I know this is going to hurt me. I know my body cannot take it, but I want it anyway. So my taste buds tell me to take it. So pass it on. That's hurting. And that's where Daniel was talking about. I'm not going to defile myself. The third thing, third thing, commitment. The word commitment speaks of a lifestyle of personal sacrifice. John Maxwell said, it's what separates the doers from the dreamers. Being committed. I mean, you know, everybody speaks about it, even on TV. People start the year off right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's going to be different this year. But after two months, they're all back into the same routine. But this year, you and I are going to break out of the old things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Commitment starts in the heart. Michael Jordan said, the heart is what separates the good from the great. It's tested by action and is the open door for achievements. They got a saying on the Biggest Losers website. It says, some people are cop-outs. Holdouts, dropouts, and all outs because they won't pay the price. But how many of you know we are going to pay the price to be who Christ called us to be? Amen. Commitment. You want to talk about commitment? Michelangelo, when he was in his early 30s, was painting there at the Vatican. And he was painting all those figures and he had to lay on his back for four years. And uh, one day he, he had aged. His friends couldn't even recognize him anymore. And one day he was painting on the roof in a corner and it was dark and you really couldn't see anything. So his friends came up to him and they said, listen, you've done such an awesome job. Many of them would tell him, you've done such an awesome job all over the, the, the Vatican. Why are you just spending so much time in that corner? Nobody's going to see And he put his brush down and he said, God does. I'm going to do my best in the corners like I do where everybody sees. How many of you know you've ever had anybody cleaning? Anybody cleaning your house or cleaning your car or something like that? How many of you know many times or you you pay your kids to, to wash the car or somebody or you cut the grass or something like that? There's little places where they want to just, well, you know, that take too much time, so I'll just leave it. How many of you know it's important to you and it's important to God that we're committed to get the job done right amen the uh, fourth thing is compassion listen to this is important 
Daniel never got an attitude. When you read the book of Daniel, they never got an attitude. Well, you know what? Y'all are doing that because y'all a bunch of devils and heathens. And so, you know, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Daniel never spoke to them. He says, I may not do that, but I'm not going to speak against you because you do that. He had compassion because he saw what their future was going to bring them and what God was going to do because he saw it through the prophetic word. And number five, courage. Say with me, courage. Courage. It means to stand up when the rest are bowing down. Carl Barth, a Swiss theologian said, theologian said, Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Always like what John Wayne says, fear is saddling up anyway. So how many of you know, sometimes you just got to get out there. But there's a story about Eddie Reckenbacker, who was a pilot in World War I. It says that he had set the speed record in Daytona in 1914. The pilot who, whose record was the highest number of victories in aerial combat against the Germans in World War I and the Secretary of War Special Advisor who survived a plane crash and 22 days on a raft in the Pacific during World War II. They all lived through dangerous circumstances. They all displayed courage, nerves under, under stress, and they all happened to the same person, Eddie Reckenbacher. Listen to this. When he was 12 years old, his father's died. He quit school to become a family's pro- primary breadwinner. He sold newspapers and eggs and goat's milk. Then as a teenager, he started working in a race car as a race car mechanic. At the age of 22, he began racing. Two years later, he set the world speed record. When the United States entered World War I, he tried to enlist as an aviator, but he was overage and undereducated. So instead, he entered as a chauffeur and then talking to his superiors into sending him to flight training, despite not fitting in with his college education, fellow aviators, he excelled as a pilot. By the time the war was over, he had logged 13 300 combat hours, more than any other American pilot. He survived 134 encounters with the enemy and claimed 26 killed and received the Medal of Honor and eight Distinguished Service Crosses, the French Legion of Honor, and he was promoted to captain and and put in command of his squadron and was named the American Ace of All Aces. He admitted that he had been afraid, but courage, he said, is doing what you're afraid of There can be no courage unless you're scared, unless you're challenged. And then in World War II, the president said there will be no more going back and forth to Europe. And he challenged the president, took the president of the United States to court and won the case and opened up Eastern Airlines to go back and forth. And this is what his motto is. I fight like a war cat. Look at your and say, I fight like a war cat. I'm encouraged that I am not going to turn from my conviction, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Now, I want to share with you this next part in Daniel chapter 5, 1 through 6. It says, many years later, King Bajazar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, who was his grandfather, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. Look at this. So they brought these gold cups from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. While they drunk from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And suddenly they saw fingers of a human riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. And the king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Now, if there's a lesson that we learn from people who compromise or we learn from the biggest losers before they become the biggest winners is that many times people do not learn from past history. You need to write that down. The Bible is full of history of men and women, some who made it, some who didn't make it. There's so many people, they learn from history. You know, my father died of this. He was obese. My mother was obese. My my mother died of diabetes. I have this problem. I have that problem. I don't have control in this area. I don't have control in that area. And instead of learning from family history to try to correct it early in life, we just live through life and end up getting up in age and find out we have the same thing or living the same exact way they are. But I believe that there is a breaker anointing. And I believe that there is a better way for each and every one of us to find out 
of what weaknesses have been in the past, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And just because your parent might have had a problem in the area of depression, I'm telling you today through the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, that does not mean that you have to see your future turning into the future of being a depressed person, staying in the bed to all hours of the afternoon because you can't stand to get out of bed. I say get out of that bed in the name of Jesus. You can break that cycle. You can learn from history that even though they've been going through, they went through and they're going through what they're going through doesn't mean you have to go through the same thing. Can I hear an amen, church? Whatever you have learned, learn from history. And that's what this guy here is going to cost him his life because he didn't learn from the history of his grandfather. Learn from the history of those before you. If you don't want to, you'll end up making the same mistakes. A lot of people have the same physical problem because they eat the same wrong food that's been passed down from generation to generation. The same type of lifestyle. And so that's what we're seeing in the spiritual realm, the physical realm. That's what you see on that TV program. They have to break the lifestyle. And you can learn from Nebuchadnezzar. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar, he went crazy. And Daniel's going to bring this back to his memory. In fact, let's go ahead and, and, and read that. It says, you are his successor, O Bajazar. And you knew all this. Listen to that. You knew all this. Say that with me. You knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defiled the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. These cups had been in a temp pagan temple for almost 70 years. And he says, bring them out. And you and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the Lord your God who gives you breath and life. And look at this. And controls your destiny. You know why you want the cups of gold from the temple of Jehovah? Because you want to say, I'm God of my life and you're not. We were singing that song today about the sovereignty of God, that God, He is all God. And we have to submit to all of His rule, all of His authority, and all of His power. But this king didn't learn from what happened to his grandfather. His grandfather was determined not to yield to God. And for tw God gave him 12 months to change his way and start living for Him and to confess Him as God. But 12 months later, Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, lost his mind, lived as an animal, was put away from the people and until he came to his senses and repented we read about this a week or two ago when he finally came to his senses then God brought him back and restored to him his kingdom and then here's Daniel saying you didn't learn you know what happened to your grandfather you know what he did was nothing but pride and pride opens the door for destruction you know that you're drinking from these cups to say that I'm God and I'm honoring myself. And you're having all this wild party. You've got over a thousand people. And you are dishonoring God to honor yourself. It's going to cost you. You didn't learn from history. So-and-so started talking about it's okay to go to those places and have a little fun. There's nothing wrong if we go do this and if we go do that. Because you know, after all, other people that I know are doing it. But haven't you learned from history how many marriages, how much happiness has it cost? Because you said, so-and-so did it, so it's okay for me. Learn from history. Remember your past, the mistakes you made. And Daniel's saying, you knew all this. You know better. Those trainers tell those people, you know better. You know you, if you go back to your home right now without being trained and renewed in your mind, you know you're going to go back and you're going to eat the food and the weight you have worked so hard to lose, you're going to gain it all back. You know that. But learn something new to break the way history is going. Amen? Let's look at this. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Farsin. This is what these words mean. So I want, you to, I want you to see right here as we get into the, the meaning of them. Many, many means you're numbered. Your days are numbered. Your days are counted. And the word Mene is used twice. Your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar had 12 months to repent. 
This guy didn't even have 12 hours and he was killed. It was important. When you know something and you don't do it to you, it's sin and sin is death. And these three words to this man was the same as I would tell you. Sin, death, and hell. These three words were talking about sin, death, and hell. And he's saying here, mene, which is your days are numbered. Your life does not exist and is not determined by man by what you have. It is set by God. He said, the sunglass is over. Your number has been picked. That's what was written in the wall. The second word is the word tekel, which means to weigh, to be found light, to be found of little worth, to be found wanting. It means your actions are weighed and you're not worthy of trust. It means you're vain. And listen to this, church. Listen, this is for somebody here. That word tekel means it's caught up with you. That's what that second word meant. It's caught up with you. It's caught up with you. All this, I'll live my life as I desire and I'll do as I please. It caught up with you. And the Lord is teaching this young man. And Daniel's crying out in compassion to this man. He stood in his character and they called for him. And they said, it's caught up with you. Your days are numbered. Your time is up. And then the third word, farsin. It means conquered, divided, and broken. Babylon had two walls around it with a huge moat. Oh, there's nobody could get in here. But yet two kingdoms got in and killed him that night. He's saying disrespect what God says to respect and disregard past lessons and you're opening the door to have your days numbered. And it says in 514, and I heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight and understanding. He called Daniel and then it goes on to say, your majesty, the most high God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory and honor to your predecessor Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great with the people of all races and nations, languages, trembled before him in fear. He killed those who wanted to, he wanted to kill. He spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor. He disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind was puffed up in arrogance, he was brought down low from his throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society he was given the mind of wild animals and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned. God help us to learn. He said, your grandfather learned, but you didn't learn from his mistakes. You're, you're, you're not learning what, what the word is saying or what the will of God is. You're taking your hands into your own hands and you're taking your life and your marriage and your home out of the hands of God. You're not listening to what history has taught time and time again. You're not listening to what's happening on the news. You're not listening to what's happening around. You're, you're just thinking that you're going to be able to fix it. But the Lord is saying, you cannot fix it. You have to surrender your life to me and let me fix it. And the Lord was, and here's Daniel speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and points anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, Obejazar. And you, here it is, you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defiled the Lord of heaven and had these cups from his wine from them while praising other gods of silver, gold, brass, wood. Gods that neither see nor hear anything. You have not honored God who gives the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write the message. And this message was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parsin. How many of you know he spoke the truth in love? Some people may say, you know what? And it's happened before. Some people, you may be visiting here and you say, you know what? I'm not out to hear that type of message. I don't want to hear no preacher telling me that my days may be numbered and that I may not have much time to repent. Let me just share this with you about speaking the truth in love. How would you like it if you would die and you end up in hell? And you raise up your eyes and you say, God, why didn't you tell me what I was doing was bringing me to hell? And God would respond and say, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want to upset you to tell you that what you were doing meant death. 
I knew you didn't want to hear it. So I wanted to please you. But God, I don't care if it hurt me. I would rather you hurt me. I would rather you tell me I'm in sin. I would rather you tell me I was wrong. I would rather you tell me that I'm dying and I'm going to hell. I would want you to tell me that and hurt me and wake me up before waking up in this dreadful place. Tell me it's wrong. And let us be humble enough to say, yes, Lord, thy will be done in my life. Oh, but no, we got to argue the point. I don't think that's a sin. I don't think looking at little children on the web is a sin. I don't think looking at big people on the web is a sin. I don't think coveting my neighbor's wife is a sin. I don't think telling a lie here and there is a sin. Uh, you, you, no, no, no. I don't believe nothing you're saying. And you wake up in hell and you go, God, why didn't you have that preacher tell me? And he goes, I had him tell you. And I had him tell you because I love you. And I want to wake you up because I love you. And I created hell for the fallen angels, not for men after my image. You ought to know these things. And I'm talking to people today, even on the internet. You know these things. You know it's wrong. And you think you can trick your mate, trick your boss, trick your friends, trick God. And letting you get away with it. But I'd rather hear a message like this today and wake up, come to the altar, and get my life right than wake up in hell and say, God, why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to hurt your feelings. God, slap me, pinch me, anything. I don't want to go to hell. He's saying you're numbered. He said, and you knew all this. And you knew all this. And that very night, he was killed. That very night. Never forget that sister who came and got saved for the first time. On a Sunday morning. And the next week she ran into a tree and she died. But she was saved and she went to heaven. Saved by a week. I want to share with you today as we get ready to end. Don't wait till tomorrow. Now is the time. You know, I knew that this message was going to get heavy at this point. So I want to, I want to show you as I was seeing these three words. I knew they were used in a movie. And this movie is about a young man who wanted to be, a, a young boy who wanted to be a knight in the medieval time. And his dad was a poor fisherman, a net mender, a roofer. And he says, you're not of royal blood. You can never be a knight. So you have to be a slave of a knight, but you can never be a knight. But this young man and a few others were determined, I am not going to live a slave the rest of my life. I am going to be a knight. And so it came to the point where he was going to battle William. And that's what I want you to see now. And I want you to hear the words at the end of this little clip. You have been weighed. You have been measured. 
And you absolutely have been found wanting. Welcome to the new world. God save you. Huh. Wow, that was good, huh? From the biggest loser to the biggest winner. Doesn't matter where you were, it's where you're going to go. You have been numbered. Your time is getting near. You've been weighed, lacking, wanting. This night, the man said, I'm going to tear down my old barns, I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to say, soul, have rest and have ease. And the Lord says, this night your soul be required of you. You have been found lacking. And then 2 Corinthians 2, 6, 2 says, for God says, for God says, at the just time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, look at this now, the right time. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The right time is right now. I don't know who you are and where you've been, but right now is the right time. Now's the time for mercy's sake. Now's the time to get your heart right. And, I'll, and I'm going to share this with you. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was numbered with the sinners. He made a way for you. Now listen, he was numbered in your place with the sinners. The weight of our sins weighed him down. And he destroyed the work of the enemy so that we could go free. Amen. So I want to invite you to just bow your heads right now and close your eyes. Let's just take a moment to examine our hearts and lives. Every Sunday we're coming here and we want to make sure that we're not lacking. Nobody's sovereign but God. Only He knows our beginning to our end. Doesn't matter how healthy we are or unhealthy we are. We don't know our time. Our times are in His hands. To everyone, there's a time appointed for death, a time for ju judgment, a time for eternity. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you're not sure what condition your heart and your life is in, or maybe you do know, as Daniel told this guy, you know the truth. You know the error of your way. You've gotten cold, you've wandered away from God, and you know you're, you're not living a life that's pleasing to God. If that's you today, I want to invite you Right there where you are, just raise your hand and say, I need forgiveness of my sins. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I see that hand back there. God bless you. I see another hand back there. Anyone else? Another hand. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else at all? I know. I know. I know by looking at my history, I'm not right with God. My conscience bears witness that I'm not right with God, but I know that there's a Savior who loves me. He gave his life for me to ransom me of all my sin. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Right now, right now, right now. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Right now is the time of your salvation. Right now is the time of your deliverance. I want to invite those who raise their hands. Would you come and let us pray with you? Come. Every one of those. We've had at least five or six raise their hand. Come. Just come stand up front and face me. Come face me. Maybe you've been saved before, but you know your life is not pleasing to God. Well, come. Come and get it right with God right now. Young and old, come. Come. Come, my brother and my sister. Come and get it right with God. There may be some here. You're here today. You know, there's areas of your life that you need help in. I want to invite you to come down to the altar and just ask God for the grace, His strength, to better stand against the temptation. It may be a small one like food. It may be something that seems so insignificant. To a lot of people, it may not be wrong, but to you in your heart, you know it is. If that's you, no matter how big or how small it is, come get your life right with God today, please.
Come and get your life right with God right now, today. No matter how big, no matter how small. He's calling you. He wants to make you a winner. But he wants to break off of you what's been causing you to lose. Come. 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 Come and stand before God. He loves you. Come to the altar. Come open your heart before him. Pour your heart out before him. Pour your heart out before him. Young and old alike. There's some areas of your life you're struggling in. We all are struggling in areas. We all here are guilty of areas that we fall short in, that we're weak in. Including myself, there's areas I'm weak in. We need the grace of God. Some may be struggling in areas harder than others. But, but come today. And what Nebuchadnezzar and what his grandson would not do was they would not humble themselves. So when you come to this altar, it's humbling. It's humbling. But that's what will bring you into the presence of God is humility. Humble yourself and come. Come today. Christians be praying. Pray, pray, pray. There's going to be miracles done in lives today. Salvation come to your home today. Deliverance come to your life today. Whoever you are. Whoever you are. Let's stand. Everybody here, let's stand please. Just remain for a moment more. Let's stand in his sovereign presence. Let's just open our hearts to him. Lord, break any hardness. Forgive me of any rebellion, Lord God. Forgive me of pride. Lord, we repent of pride. As this king was defiling you, having his way, saying, I'm God. I'll do what I want to do. It's all about me. It's about my pleasure. It's about my fun. Lord, it cost him. Lord, awaken us to righteousness today. Awaken us to the purity, for you are God that is pure and you are God that is holy. The altars are still open, brothers and sisters. The altars are still opened. Go ahead and sing a part of that chorus as we just give them some more time. Right now is the time. Right now is the time. Just come. Come. Finally, Lord, forgive me for being so slow in surrendering to you. I come to you, Father. Oh, I surrender. Just come and surrender to him today. Lay your life at the altar. Lay your life down at the altar. And let him take it up. Finally, I surrender. Because you're God. You're God. You are God Almighty. You are God. I am man. I am man. You are sovereign. Oh my God. You are God. Almighty God. I am man. I am man. Come, he knows you. Come and lay before the Father right now. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Jesus. Just sing that I surrender. Today, today I surrender. Today I surrender. 
Everyone say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today I surrender to you, O Lord. You're my God. You're my Father. You have saved me through your Son, Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Father, of all my sins, the wrongs, and the errors of my life. Forgive me for serving me above you, doing my will above your will. Forgive me of the evil and the rebellion, the hardness of my heart. I repent and I ask you to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me in your powerful blood. Father, I run to you. Break off these shackles, these chains, these sins, small and hard, great. Break them off of my life. Cleanse my heart. Make me free. Cleanse me, O oh Lord. Make me new. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. I praise you for your salvation, such a great salvation. I praise you for freedom. That whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, I pray for your freedom all through this auditorium, in these areas of struggle. The, the guilt, the condemnation because of this struggle. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to free every mind, spirit, soul, and body here. I ask you for a complete and a perfect word be done in every life. And Lord, I honor you and I praise you and I thank you for saving us and delivering us, restoring us. And making us whole. We thank you for this. In Jesus name. Now just raise your hands and praise him for it. Just thank him for it. In Jesus name. Go ahead and announce tonight. Just praise him for it. Hallelujah. Praise you Lord. Service tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Tonight we have service at 6. I want to invite you to come back tonight. And be a part of our worship service. And. We just want to go to God right now in prayer as we close. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in our lives. God, I thank you for this word today, Lord. I ask that you would just teach us, Lord, how to be disciplined, Lord, how to uh, do, God, what, we, what is right in your eyes, Lord God, that we would live lives of purity and holiness, that we would not have defilement of any kind in our lives, hindering us from being the best in the best shape mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, a blessing over each person as they go tonight, as they go their separate ways this afternoon. Be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. And what does it look like when God is all around? Let it come. Yeah, yeah. And what does it sound like when you see?